What's up everybody? This week we look at four albums and finalize our discussion about the women of rock. And our sarcastic team has a couple of words to say about photography. That and a whole lot more is to come because maybe someday you will ache like I ache. Welcome to the show. I don't know really how I feel about taking somebody's uh, mental anguish uh, lyric and turning it into my own I'm physically aching because I've been working too hard. Uh, so uh, anybody offended by that, and even if you're not offended, I'm sorry about that. Uh, just trying to, you know, trying to get the show off to a good side. Anyway, guys, welcome. Thank you for uh, taking the time to tune in, taking the time to listen. It's been a little while since uh, I last spoke to you guys. Um, we have had a couple of uh, life-changing events in the last couple of weeks, and it was not appropriate to carry on with the podcast at that point. Um, we had a death in the family of a very, very close uh, family friend, and he was a great guy, um, loved everybody, loved kids, always did the right thing, and the world is very, very uh, worse off uh, without him in the world. Um, he's very, very close to the, the three kids who we are now looking after, um, and they, they were hit pretty hard. And so, you know, it was not really appropriate, and we didn't even have the time to finish. I mean, it was so sudden, um, everything that happened. Uh, but it wasn't appropriate to carry on and do uh, the podcast um, while we were, you know, making sure that these kids were okay. So, um, but yeah, it was it was a rough time. Um, that and my wife's grandmother was taken to hospital, and it's just been it's just been so busy that we haven't had the time to sit down and record. Uh, we were even supposed to bring it earlier on in the week, but... Um, you know, as as I'm recording this right now, we still haven't uh, recorded the Women of Rock thing, but we we will get to it today. Um, but you know, it was it's just been a a real real tough couple of weeks. Um, so you know, I just wanted to, I wanted to give you guys you know a reason why we're ridiculously late with this episode, um, and that's why we haven't been active on social media too. It's just been so hectic. Um, we're hoping the next couple of weeks to get back on track. Uh, one of the things that the reason that is is I've been uh, working uh, two jobs the last couple of weeks. I've been doing a live sound for a local band. Um, the Holodex, as you know, uh, they great bunch of guys, and I appreciate the opportunity. It's just a real, really, really lot of work and a lot of time. And while I'm enjoying every second of it, and you know, I wouldn't be doing it if I if I wasn't. It's basically cut a day and a half out of my weekly schedule. So um, I'm glad the next couple of weeks I've got Tom to you know focus on what I'm doing. And you know, great shout out to the guys, great bunch of lads, uh, great sound too. Not just I'm not just talking about the stuff that, I, that that I'm doing helping them. I mean, they're really really tight. They're really really good at what they do. And if you guys get a chance to see them, go see them. They're they're really really good. I think this weekend, uh, the next weekend, excuse me, they're going to be in Destin, Florida. Uh, two gigs there, so if you guys are in that area of the world, go check them out, because, you know, great, great bunch of lads, uh, great music style, and if you're a fan of 90s alternative music, that they are the best I've heard, and I've heard a lot of tribute acts, you know, I've, I've the best tribute act I heard before the Holodex was uh, Queen for a Day, guess who they uh, were tributes to, so, you know, it's it's really, really good, and again, great bunch of lads, you, you'll enjoy every single second of it. Uh, I was going to watch Everything Sucks, but I think as I've established in the, in the opening thing, I've just been too busy to do stuff. So what I'm going to do is this week, uh, after I'm done uh, with next week's episode, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to listen and watch, you know, they're only 30 minutes long. I've been given great reviews by some of my friends that who watched it who said, it's really, really good stuff. So uh, I'm going to go and dive in and, and watch it. Uh, guys, if you're on social media, please uh, like and share the page. Um, I know some of you have already. 
uh, we're just trying to increase our audience. So if you can give us a recommendation, give us a like, give us a review, whatever, we would be really, really appreciative. Uh, we're just looking to grow. I mean, we have a low number of subscribers on our social media page right now, and I just want to increase that so that we know, you know, folks know what's going on and how, how we're doing, and we can grow our audience that way. Uh, I do have things uh, that I want to incorporate into this. Um, like I said before, I'm going to do some t-shirts and stuff like that. I know not, not a lot of people do, but the thing is, is this. I want this podcast to grow. I want this to explode. And in doing so, people like stuff like that. People like goofy knickknacks and stuff like that. And I'd rather have them ready and available when I've got the time to look into them as opposed to just throwing something together and boom, you know? So there is that. But if you are on Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr, look up Because Maybe Pod. Uh, we have a blog, becausemaybepodcast.wordpress.com. Look us up on YouTube. Uh, just search Because Maybe Podcast. We have sample episodes and extra episodes and just bits and nonsense. And also, guys, if you're on iTunes or Podbean, please subscribe to us. Um, if you're on iTunes, you know, we, we you just subscribe to any podcast app and bang, it'll come down. If you're on Podbean and you don't really want to get a new account because, you know, whatever, you can register to Podbean with your existing Facebook account. So, you know, it is it is worth looking into. If you guys are on Google+, Plus, however, we are still having issues. It's not reading our download feed. Um, and until we get that sorted, we are not going to be on Google+, and we've tried everything that we can think of, uh, to the point where we've even contacted Google directly. Yes, Google does have a phone number. Uh, I'm not allowed to give it out, unfortunately, but Google does have a phone number, and we have given them a call. So, you know, that's, that's just what it is. So, with all this done, with all this housekeeping out of the way, thank you guys for being patient with us. We do have part three of Women of Rock coming right now, and it'll be the last episode, uh, with Sarah for a little bit of a while, um, She's done a great job, and I, I thank you for driving these episodes. Uh, but we do look at the four albums that she picked. Uh, while I was researching this, I asked her to pick four albums, and these were the four that she picked. So we're going to review Tuesday Night Music Club, Jagged Little Pill, Live Through This, and Last Splash. Hope you guys enjoy. Scenes of the 90s. What up, people? Guess you weren't expecting to hear that voice first, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to part three, the final part of Women of Rock. It has been a long, long time getting here. Mm-hmm. Longer than expected. Uh, I am joined by the fantastic Sarah Connolly. Hello, dears. The fantastic Mrs. Fox. Um, <laughs> Mrs. Foxy. Uh, <laughs> and we're here to talk about the four albums that, uh, when I was doing research, mm-hmm. I basically had sarah throw a dart at and she told me use these four so (laughs) (laughs) okay four notable yes four notable women's rock albums of the 90s and four completely different albums yes that was part of the which is really good because when we did the burp pop thing they kind of all bled together right but these these are all different ends of different spectrums and we're going to kick it off Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. the breeders Woohoo! Last splash. Amen. Now, before we get started, I have an apology to make to all women rock fans of yes. the nineties. Do it. Um, we didn't talk about Kim D last time. No, we did not. We also didn't talk about Kim Gordon, and no, she deserves a mention too. But that's okay. We'll we'll we'll, t- we'll, we'll revisit on. women later on we'll, next we'll, season. We'll t- we'll touch on Gordon at the end. I guess at the end. Um, but Kim Deal, man, multi talented mm-hmm. musician and producer. Uh, the Breeders, the Pixies. As a producer, mm-hmm. she was like a proponent of what they call the all-wave philosophy, which right. I actually think is a great idea, even though I use all digital material. Mm-hmm. No auto-tune, no digital corrections, nothing like that. Totally right. analog. And I think that's good because, you know, everything's not auto-tuned and cleaned up. And, right. You know, 
But anyway, sterile. Yeah, sterile. That's a great word. Um, We like it dirty. We like it dirty. Yes. So, the Breeders' second album is called Last Splash, as we've mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, Predominantly sold in the United States and 1.5 million copies sold. Does Mm -hmm. that shock you or. Not really. For the, for the style album was is a quintessential well, American album. Right. Well, that and the timing that it came out. I mean, that that makes it one. It would have it would have gone up against a lot of tough uh, competition overseas at the time. It's so. true because it was late uh, mm-hmm. late summer '93. Mm-hmm. So if it had been released in Europe, it probably would have been a couple of months later. And bang, especially in the United Kingdom, Britpop had just right. gotten going. So um, and you know. Um, Contra the publications of the day, and even now, things like uh, Rolling Stone mm-hmm. uh, in Britain, Q, yes. uh, they consider it a tour de force and possibly one of the best lo-fi albums of all time, male or female. As it should be. As it should be. Um, it's got that Americana sound, too. You know, that very, very... It sounds sparse, but it sounds full. Well, yeah, but a lot of albums of that time period and the alternative scene did, too. I mean, look... A look at early pumpkins. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And you know, it's it's funny we talk about we talk about that. This album reminds me a little bit of the pumpkins because mm-hmm. you go from um, bullet with butterfly wings mm-hmm. to nineteen seventy nine, right? And that this album has got plenty of stuff like that. Um, you I know. mean, well, yeah, but I mean, the Pixies were did the, you know did the whole quiet loud thing? True. That Nirvana ran off with. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's everything comes full circle, man. It, it it is it is and you know it it does fluctuate between rock and sound lighter alternative. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the song Cannonball. That guitar. Everybody loves Cannonball. I I know it's a little cliche, but that guitar riff is the is the reason that made me fall in love with it. Remember, oh, yeah. I hadn't heard this album until you suggested that we do this. So you know, I did a little bit of research on it to get the information. But you know, I wasn't going to like if you give I'll use Oasis as an example. If you give somebody a copy of What's the Story Morning Glory mm-hmm. and they don't know any of the songs on there and they come back and say, Man, Wonderwall was a great song <laughs> you know to wash your hands after you've shaken them with them because Wonderwall is an atrocious song. Oh, stop. No, it's not atrocious. It's just I'm British and I've heard it how many times? Well yes, it's almost what it's it's like your unofficial it, national anthem. That's don't look back in anger that I could listen to a thousand times a day if I needed to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um Going back to, and I know this this sounds weird, but going back to uh, British music for just a second, mm-hmm. uh, the songs SOS mm-hmm. and I Just Want to Get Along were both sampled by The Prodigy. Uh-huh. SOS, the guitar riff in there, was used for Firestarter. Fabulous. So I, I, I immediately love that song even more than what I do right now. Right. Um, it's got a chaotic sound, but it's like controlled. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, it's it's and and the control of the songs is like half the songs are like two and a half minutes long, mm-hmm. and then the other half fluctuate between four and a half minutes or thirty seconds. Dude, it's the Deal Sisters. They just it's like um, I'm not trying to mock anything, but it's like a combination of ADD and two rights music. <laughs> you know, it's it, but but uh, but I mean that in you know I mean that in the, stereoty- in the best way, yes. I mean that in the st- you know in the, in the stupid stereotype right. people have of everything like that, but it's just it's loud, distorted but controlled, and That's it's the best really way. really good. You know, it's really really good, and I, I love it. I think it's fantastic. Um, one of the one of the lyrics mm-hmm. uh, was inspired in the most weirdest place you can imagine. The song No Aloha has the lyric, motherhood means mental freeze. Mm-hmm. Kim Deal got that off a bathroom wall. I'm public bathroom wall. 
Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't like Janie's phone number on there? Eight six six. And now you've got motherhood. Uh, and Kurt smells like Teen Spirit. Yeah. Oh, sex and smells like sex and candy in here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you know, yeah. There's the, the you know uh, for a good time call. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Don't call me because you won't have a good time. <laughs> Because I will stab you. No, I'm kidding. Um, She's not the jealous type. No. No, not you. Because I'm, I'm not good looking enough to, to, to make it. John. I'm just messing. <laughs> no, stall walls can be interesting uh, uh, places of inspiration. That's where Facebook got their inspiration from. Ah, yes. So, in my opinion, this is an 8 out of 10 album. Uh, it sounds fantastic. Uh, it's Control Chaos, as I mentioned. Great guitar riffs, yes. not from Kim Deal, but her sister. Um, and as as far as the album went, the single sounded more commercial than mm-hmm. than the, the the actual songs that they did release as singles sounded more commercial than the rest of the album. Right. So, do you think something like that was intentional, or was it just the way that they wrote, and that's just how it turned out? I think it's just the way that they wrote, and it's how it turned out. But here is another piece of trivia. Okay. There is a new. Breeders album coming out. Yes. And it's the first one since Last Splash with the original lineup. Ooh. With this lineup. So Sweet. Yes. Gonna be Let's fantastic. do it. It is. So what's your what's your opinions on this album? I give it eight out of ten. Uh solid seven point five to eight out of ten. Yes. I concur. Okay, and you know, for those of you who want to get the album or just want to go on YouTube and listen, listen to Cannonball. Yes. The Divine Hammer. Yes. And I just want to get along. Those three are really, really good songs, uh, in my humble opinion. And if you come from the dance end of the spectrum, uh, listen to SOS. Yes, because and you I just fi- want to get along. And that way, you know, you can hear, because I love listening to things that have been sampled. And, and you love the Firestarter. Twisted Firestarter. Okay. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey, hey. Okay. Okay, but now, moving on. Yes. Uh, from, the, from the alternative and lo-fi, we move mm-hmm. to... Cheryl Crow, Tuesday Night Music Club. Yes. Uh, it's a debut album. Yep. Nine and a half million copies sold. Yep. And was released around about the same time in August of 1993. It was a good year. It was a good vintage. Yes, very good vintage. Uh, it's considered one of the best debut albums of all time. As it should be. And unlike... Now, the name of the album comes from yes. a play on words. Now, technically, in my opinion... Mm-hmm. On a technicality note, mm-hmm. this should not be classed as Cheryl Crow's debut album, De- debut solo album. Okay, because well, the Tuesday Night Music Club were the guys and gals who got together and kind of like an open mic and it was a songwriting group. A songwriting group, right? And they met on Tuesday right. night, but, but everybody else got credits, and she's got credits on albums that they've done that she contributed on. That's fair. That's so, fair. I mean, you know, they, they, they got paid for it. They should release the album with Cheryl Crow and the Tuesday Night Music Club. Well, then, no, that would be indicative of them playing on it. They did play on it, though. Not always. Did. Not no, all. Some did. They helped write. Well, that's true. That's true as well, I guess. <laughs> you stumped me. You can't, st- you can't stump me. This is my show. Uh-huh. My okay, show. Fine, then. Take it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I need your help. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> This time next week, guys, for the for the uh, for the episode we are coming up, uh, Sarah will be the one hosting it because I'll be you know outside, buried my head in shame. Oh, you'll <laughs> be fine. Um, 
So it was a mesh of styles. I mean, mm-hmm. the breeders had a mesh of, of production techniques and different styles of rock, whereas this had slowy, rocky tunes, mm-hmm. country music, electronica. I mean, if you listen to Run Baby Run, Leaving Las Vegas, and it's got Strong an accordion. Enough. Huh? It even has an accordion. It has an accordion. Yes. Accordion is fantastic. Yes. The best accordion player is Chris Novoselic. Hmm. <laughs> it's all about Weird Al. Ooh, that's a tough one. Imagine if they, um. th- imagine them two got into a weird fight. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear Lord, help us! But um, what did what did I mean? What did you think of like the the the, the styles? I know this is this is one of your albums that you like love. Okay, and well, and and like I said yesterday, I mean Cheryl. First album, Cheryl was totally unapologetic. You know, this is who I am. Yeah. And but not in the Courtney style this is who i am but in a you know you could chill out and go get a beer with cheryl without worrying about her slashing your tires no she probably slashed someone else's face with a beer bottle uh not not in that era but i mean but you know then you made a man right and then now when the self-titled album came out next well then you got more of a glam you know cheryl but this one this is down to earth cheryl this is hippie mama cheryl Mama, I like that. Yes, and I dig this, Cheryl. It's bluesy. It's you know there's there's some raw lyrics on this album. There are, and it's perfect. I adore everything about this album from the beginning to the end. Run, so. baby, run! You love too. Oh God, yes. You still you hum that a lot mm-hmm. around here. I'm surprised there isn't outtakes on the podcast if you if you hum in that. Um, <laughs> I I. I Personally, it's a good, solid album. Yes. It's a good, solid debut album. But in my opinion, I prefer the Sheryl Crow album better than Tuesday Night Music Club. Okay. Um, Not because of anything more more or less or, or whatever. It's just, in my opinion, it just, I, I, I connected with that album better. Sounds like it makes you happy mm-hmm. and, you know, just, just. Well, that, okay. Here's the thing, though. Yes, you're right. The, the Sheryl Crow album has a lot of good songs on it. And I could see from you, from your your background, why that one would be, you know, the the one that sticks out most to you. I have a real soft spot and and pinch it for Hamilton, if you can hear my ringtone. <laughs> Sorry, I got a text. Okay, no, I mean, I could see why you would pick that album, you know, to be the one that, that you identified most with, the, the Sheryl Crow album. Um, but I have a, a big pinch it and soft spot for, you know, less produced. Okay. I like raw nitty gritty. Okay. You know what I mean? And, um. So you like raw nitty gritty stuff? Yeah, I like the raw nitty gritty ones because there's just, you know, they're more honest. That's true. You know, and, and I dig that. You dig so, music. Right, I am a golden god. Yeah, and and I get that. I just for me, you know, it, it, for me, I think it's I think it's a good album. Don't get me wrong; it's a solid album. I think it's a good seven out of ten album, and it launched a very very talented musician into the public light. In in I terms of Sheryl Crow, eight point five to nine out of ten. You give it eight point five. I give it seven. Well, there you go. Because I'm, you know, I'm a miser. <laughs> He's going to yell for you guys to get off his lawn. That's right. Get off my lawn. Mm-hmm. Um, but notable tracks this album, Run Baby Run, mm-hmm. All I Want to Do, mm-hmm. Strong Enough, mm-hmm. Leaving Las Vegas. 
Yes, yeah, any any copies that you could find online of any of these songs uh, live. Um, yes. Do it. Uh, Run, Baby, Run. Cheryl does wonderful versions of it with Clapton. There's more than one version. Really? Yes. Strong Enough. Oh, my God. There's a version of her in the Dixie Chicks. Oh, yes. It is worth... Oh, it, it will rip your heart out. No, I love the Dixie Chicks. Dixie yes. Chicks are awesome. Yes. So, so, we move from SoCal. Yes. To the Great White North. To North Detroit. <laughs> South Detroit, excuse me. Yes. Uh, Canada's very own yes. Alanis Morissette. Yes. Jagged Little Pill. The, the album that Uncle Joey built. And to this day, she will not say. It's kind of like um, Yoso <laughs> Vane. <laughs> yeah. No, but we know. We know. You know, just like we know that uh, What's-His-Face. Um, oh, I could see him. Uh, the dude. The, you're so vain. It's about the dude. Yeah. The um. Oh, the dude who played Dick Tracy. The yes. Dude, uh, I mean, he, was, he was Clyde, Bonnie, and Clyde. He's, he messed. I can't remember his name, but I know who you're talking he about. He messed up Envelope Gate at the Oscars. Uh, Warren um, Beatty. Yeah, Warren Beatty. Just like we know you're so vain. It's about Warren Beatty. We know, and we know that this is about Uncle Joey, Dave Coulier, and it just gives us the heebie-jeebies. Just like we know that it's about Justine Frischman. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I love we you, Justine. Know. You're yes. an awesome artist and musician. Mm-hmm. Um, Jagged Little Pill is actually Alanis's third album, although it is her first major release. Mm-hmm. Now, what that means for those of you who don't understand, she was on a minor record deal in Canada doing mm-hmm. like Carly Minogue-style pop music. Mm-hmm. And when they sold about 30 copies between them, mm-hmm. uh, a producer saw her, you know, her talent, I guess, took it down to L.A., gave her like an image makeover, and this is what... Let her write a good breakup album. Let her write a good breakup album. Um, this album lived in dorm rooms of the 90s. Oh, definitely. This and was beyond. every pissed off young woman's album. Oh, definitely. At, at mm-hmm. least... I mean, good lord. I mean, you probably can still hear it now coming out of certain dorm rooms. Um, <laughs> which means nursing homes are going to be fun in about 40 years' oh, time. Oh, Jesus. You're going to have that in Liz Fair. Mm-hmm. I'm just waiting to go to the nursing home where yes. you walk into the room and all you hear is to the window. <laughs> to the wall. Okay. We go. Till I break my hip and fall. <laughs> Y'all are going to have to excuse us. We're off on tangents. Yes, but um, okay. Going back to going back to you know yes, to why we're here. Uh, yes, this was released June thirteenth, nineteen ninety five, and it is basically the anthem of every scorned woman. Yes. out there. Yes, or was it? We'll get to that here in a minute. Ooh. Um, the lyrics were very very explicit. And I don't mean like, you know, they were George Carl in the seven words you can't say on TV and podcasts explicit. I turned it off. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Lyrics are very explicit. Yes. And I don't mean like, like I said, I don't mean the George Carl in seven words you can't say on podcasts. I mean like very, very raw. You yes. know, they were very, very, uh, they were very personal, but very, very raw, I think. Well, Dave messed up, dude. Oh, he did, but not not all of them are, are very very angry. Oh no, hands uh, hand over feet. Oh, that one's such a sweet. Yes, song. yes, it is. It's even more brilliant watching a dude sing it. Oh uh, yeah. I said uh, hand over feet, guys. Y'all have to forgive me. I'm tired. 
<laughs> this so, last week, oh my gosh, these last two weeks have slayed me. Yes, I know. And then even when I lay down, he snores so bad, y'all. I can't sleep. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm a dude with, with sleep-related problems. <sighs> You're a dude who needs to use your, yes, your yes, mask. Yes, I do. Uh-huh, yeah, okay. I need to keep it on, but I, I do start with it. Anyway. Okay, um, anywho, tangents. Yes. Tangent back on. Uh, you know what the most ironic thing about the song Ironic was? It's not ironic. It's just a series of bad events. Yes. Not, not irony. Now, if I, you know, now if I ran over some dude, that would be a tragedy. Mm-hmm. If that dude said run over f- that would also be a tragedy. Mm-hmm. But if f- ran over some dude's son, that would be ironic. Don't you think? Yeah. Because, you know, we, we've all had rain on our wedding day. Mm-hmm. It's the most depressing day in some people's lives. Mm-hmm. Not mine. It was the most happiest day of my life. Mm-hmm. I got to say I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is tomorrow, by the way, for anybody uh, listening. Or today. Yes. So we'll be married 10 years as of the 20th. Long- Absolutely. Longest 10 years in her life. <laughs> Um, every song in this album, going back to the album, mm-hmm. every song has like a meaning that's close to Alanis herself. And when it comes to certain songs, when the songwriter doesn't give you an inkling of to what it... I'll use Closing Time for an example. Until Semisonic lead singer started going around and telling his Semisonic story mm-hmm. that Closing Time was actually about his child, right, nobody, nobody would have known. So a lot of these songs on this album... Uh, I like that for Alanis. She wrote them and hasn't given the meanings behind them, but they but well, has confirmed that they mean something. Well, it you ought to know is pretty damn well self explanatory. I got that, but I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, a homegirl got raw. She did. Yes, she did in a theater. Yes, yes, she did. <laughs> you know, I've de- I've decided I'm gonna go send her a present for Christmas. Really. Yeah, I'm going to go to Build-A-Bear and get a bear and put its eyes looking at each other so she can have her cross-eyed bear. Uh. <laughs> but, um, king of dad jokes, guys. Yes, yes. Um, each song was recorded as a demo. Mm-hmm. And ironically enough, ha-ha-ha. But um, bum he's full of them today. The huh? vocals, right? The vocals of each, each track were the original demo vocals. Most of the tracks. Most of the tracks. And yeah. Anything that had rewrites obviously had to be re-recorded, right. but most of them that was using the original lyrics from the demos... She was good enough to get it right the first time. That's that's really good, because mm-hmm. you know you very rarely hear of good demos like that. Um, you Ought to Know featured right. uh, basically half of Red Hot Chili Peppers. The good half. Dave Navarro, mm-hmm. who was the guitarist at the time. Love him. And Flea. Yes. And they, in fact, wrote the instrumentation of that track. Mm-hmm. Now, talking, now, going back to a tangent... Why is it whenever the Dixie Chicks need side... Whenever these, these hardcore women need side musicians, they all turn to the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Because I think they've the Dixie... They've got to give it to your mama. That's right. Because <laughs> I think the Dixie Chicks had Red Hot, Red Hot Chili Peppers as they back in band too, didn't they? When they recorded... The drummer and Flea. Yeah, and Flea's here again. Because at that point in time, I think Navarro was out. He was half and half. He was still in the jeans addiction portion of his career mm. um now i went back to the beginning of what i said here mm-hmm. this album is the angry is the anthem of angry scorned women yes. everywhere but i left a caveat and that caveat is if you listen to the album from start to finish mm-hmm. it's not a screaming angry no there's there's i mean ironic isn't a no i mean a, isn't isn't a 
ripped off song and neither is Head Over Feet. Uh, the majority of it is a little bit more relaxed and mellow. But it's man, just, when those ones get angry, they get angry. And that's kind of that's kind of led to... And one the, hand in my pocket is good too. That's kind of led to this belief that Alanis Morissette is this angry... No, she is she is uber hippie mama. Oh, she's awesome. Yes. I, I mean, I, I love Alanis Morissette. I really do. I think she's And fan- she's one of Ryan Reynolds' like 40 ex-wives too. Really? I did not know that. Yes. Hmm. I don't know, guys, you have to correct me on if they actually got married or if they just dated forever. I think ever. they just dated forever, ever. Forever, ever? Yeah. Forever, ever? Forever, ever. Oh, and, for you know, real. she was God. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. And she killed Affleck. Yes. <laughs> but, I mean, who want who wouldn't want uh, to use Alan Rickman as, her, as their voice? Oh, yes. So, yes. Uh, I give this album a 9 out of 10. I'm with you. Musically, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Lyrically, it's fantastic. And, and I might lyrically, not, it's, it's just awesome. Like, I'm not, look, I don't get the nuances behind the lyrics. Right. But you don't have to be, you know... A but great you don't out. have a vagina. You're not supposed to. But I can appreciate what a good lyric is supposed to be. Yes. And that's why I think this is 9 out of 10. What do you think? I concur. Concur. Concurrent is good. Yes. Um... So if you guys haven't listened to this album, go find You All To Know. Don't listen to it around the kiddos. Do it. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, no, seriously, don't listen to it around the kiddos. <laughs> uh, ir- <laughs> ironic, if uh, if you were an English language guy, don't listen to Ironic because it's It'll not ironic. It'll make your brain twitch. Uh, head over feet and one hand in my pocket. Mm-hmm. So that is Alanis Morissette. Now, we come to our final album. It's a full circle. It's a full circle. And talking of angry women... Yeah, but justifiably angry woman. Justifiably angry woman. Paul, yes. live through this. Yes. Whole second album. Ish. Kind of. Sec- second full-length album. Got it. Because Ask For It was an EP. Yes. And EPs are not albums. They're just EPs. Uh, yeah, but if it's got like six songs, does it make it an album? No, it's still an EP. Have, some people release albums of six songs. S- mean, there's SPs, EPs, and LPs. This is their second LP. Mm. Okay. For the kids listening, SP means short play, which means single. Yes. EP means extended play, which means not three, full. three to five tracks. And long play is LP, that's eight or more tracks. The more you know. Um, <coughs> sold two million copies. Yes. And was released on the 12th of April, 1994. Yes. You have the floor. <laughs> okay. All right. So here's the thing. This album changed lives. There is a generation of women who this album spoke for them when they could not. Which is ironic. Not in an honest way, but in a legit way. Because there's very little speaking on this album. <laughs> However, um, all right, so the album was released, you know, one week after the, the death of Kurt, which, you know, it's not like it was planned that way. It's right. just, right. Um, it was already slated and, and, and done whatnot, um, you know, ahead of time. Interestingly enough, Hole were signed to Geffen at the time. This was their first um, release with Geffen. 
uh, ironically or interestingly enough, depending on how you look at it, um, a whole were actually signed to a bigger deal with Geffen than Nirvana had been. Really? Mm-hmm. This was supposed to be the first of a seven-album deal. Wow. But everything kind of went to poo. <laughs> Kurt died in April, a week uh, before the album. R- before the album, and then that summer, uh, Kristen Fath, the bassist, passed away. Yes. So, um, and Kristen was a spectacular bassist. Yes, she was. Um, and Patty Schimmel was a, was a wonderful drummer too. But Kristen Fath, if um, when you listen to all the songs on Live Through This, right? Those really awesome bass lines were all basic takes. That's all first takes. One take. One take for every single bass line. Wow. On that album. That's... She was freaking phenomenal. Yeah. Now, you know, when she passed, um, Melissa Oftemar came on. And Melissa went after Hole, went on to work with... Uh, she stepped in for DRC and the Pumpkins for a while. Which probably went down really, really well. Right. Considering Colton and uh, Colgan's relationship. Right. Well, anywho. <laughs> we could do a whole episode on that. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah, mm. we'll do. Oh, we could do a thing on love triangles of the Ooh. 90s. Ooh. I'll okay. add that to the sheet. So, right. <laughs> okay. Um, do, do, do. But. Go ahead. Now, one of the things that. um. I know we keep going back and... Bra- See, the problem with this part of whole Courtney Love, Nirvana, Cobain's life is that they kind of very, very intertwined. Mm-hmm. Like, everything is is intertwined. So, a lot of people thought that Cobain wrote this album. Nope. Nope. Not only has it been proven he hasn't wrote this album, but a lot of these songs in embryonic form were out there at some point before they even met. Correct. You know, so... Well, I mean, some of them were written about things that had happened in their relationship. But a lot, but a lot of them, them hadn't. Right. And I guess it was just one of these things of, you know, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that Courtney Love was considered like a Yoko Ono type figure. Right. And I guess it's just another thing that nobody can give her credit for because, oh, these songs are too good. She couldn't have written them. They must have been Kurt. Right. You know, which, which sickens me. It does. And again, you know, I've said it before. If you go back and look at the progression from Bleach to Nevermind. Yeah. Right? Nevermind sounds a lot more like Hole than, you know... Than Bleach does. Right. Than than Bleach does. And the same thing goes if you look at um, Asking for it EP or Pretty on the Inside. Um, there's, you know, whole evolved as a band, as Courtney would say, hey, I learned how to ride a bridge. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot more melody to it. Yeah. However, you know, it sounds like the natural evolution of a band. The sound didn't change as much as Bleach, you know, from Bleach to Nevermind did. Yes. So you can, I mean, if you really listen, there's more of an influence from Hole to Nirvana than there was from Nirvana to Hole. Oh, and that's going to take a lot of people off. But, well, but, you know, you bite know, tr- me. Tr- tr- truth hurts. Truth does hurt. Yes. And interesting enough, um, the band, do, uh, the, the, excuse me, the album did have one cover song on it. Yes. So Credit in the Straight World is actually written by 
a Welsh post-punk band called Young Marble Giants. How did they describe the cover version? Um, they described it, and I quote, uh, they hated this version of the song, saying it had been turned into a pornographic Led Zeppelin track. <laughs> a porno Led Zeppelin. That's an wow. oxymoronic, isn't it? Yeah, well, because Led Zeppelin never did anything funky like that. Mm, mm. Sharks. Mm-mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Typical Celt, though. Love that dude, whoever the, the, the guys are. <laughs> we have the way of weaving the most wonderful words together without yes. even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. That's why the Celts are the greatest musicians and poets in the world. Yes. Except for Bono. Mm. I, I'm looking forward to U2's next album. I love free stuff from iTunes. Ah, uh, okay. Back on track. Back on track. Um, It was, like you mentioned, it was, it was a departure from Pretty on the Inside. Not much, but... It was an evolution. It was an evolution. It was polished. Um, The album is loud, angry, but it's short. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's cathartic. Yes. Um, I know I joked, you know, um, at the beginning of the show, using the Doll Parts lyric, you know, Mm -hmm. because I'm lazy and I'm hurting, but Courtney really, really did lay it all bare. Yeah. And this this is before, you know... The next, it's before the next tragedy that struck her life. Right. And I mean, and, and what's really, you know, the next year in 1995 on Valentine's Day, they recorded Unplugged. Yeah. And which, of course, featured a good chunk of songs from this album. So, um, and it also, uh, it, there's a really good version of a you know you're right which nirvana that's the one that years later nirvana retooled um but uh it's it you you can hear there's there's god there's pain here oh yeah there's pain all over it and of course the next album you know celebrity skin would go on to have more but um you know this it's raw as hell it's hard to listen to, too. Mm-hmm. Um, the music, the music, okay, the music mm-hmm. itself is mellow, so to speak. Like, you know, even, mm-hmm. you, 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 let's just say this, it wasn't all slashing and thrashing and, and uh, the, right. Courtney would scream in the microphone, but she'd be, you know, right. you could be playing the ABC song <laughs> and she'd be screaming it. Um, so the music was mellow, but lyrically, you know, we talked about sexuality, beauty, mm-hmm. motherhood, domestic violence, elitism. She really put a lot out there. Oh and, yeah, and and you know, for, for for what it's worth, Courtney Love is very very intelligent when it comes to yes. things like that. Yes, you know, which is not. She's too intelligent. She's she's too intelligent for her own good. Yeah, she really is, and that's that's why she's gotten in so much trouble because she's too damn smart. So. Sadly, she makes stupid choices, but she's smart. Well, the, but the smartest does. of us do. Everybody does. Right. You know, nobody, poverty's an effect. That's right. So, in my opinion, this is a 10 out of 10 album, without a question of doubt. Um, it's loud, it's angsty, lyrically it's fantastic, and this was cathar- catharsis for, for, for Courtney mm-hmm. at the time. Just getting everything out there and, you know, screaming in horror. Yes. I'm with you. I concur 150%. Man, it's really, really good. My wife is agreeing with me, guys. Save the date. Um, <laughs> if you want to listen to some tracks on this album, listen to Violet, Doll Parts, which mm-hmm. I love, uh, Miss World, Softer and Softest. Mm-hmm. Softer, Softest, yes. Softer, Softest, excuse me. You just just some, some mm-hmm. really, really great songs. So that is really it for our uh, 
our our series. Well, there you go. It has been, uh, you know, with with everything that's gone on that we've had going on personally, it's taken a lot longer than right. three weeks to get this recorded and off. However, it has been a labor of love, and I've enjoyed every moment of it. And um, I am going to be stepping away from the mic for the next couple of weeks, aren't I? Yes. And then I'll be back. You'll be back when we talk about uh, one. We talk about either man of the man on the moon or Larry Flint. <laughs> is, that, is Courtney just like she? Is no, she the I, patron I saint what, of this season? I don't know how Courtney got it involved, but uh, I mean, I mean, she's look. a patron saint of season two. Yes. All right. She's like, you know, she's the she's the devil on your shoulder, you know. Go on, do it. And then the angel <laughs> pops up that looks like Courtney and goes, yeah, go on, do it. But, um, well, now that you mentioned that real quick, before we wrap this up, I mean, you know, the albums are great and everything. Right. The music and, and the artists were really, really fantastic in the 90s. Right. And, you know, what do you think is the legacy of 90s female rock musicians? I'll, I'll, let me rephrase that. I use the word rock... Not just to mean rock music right. in this sense. The ones who are not under the thumb of the record labels. So we're talking like, you know, we're talking like, not like your Britney Spears and your Jessica Simpsons and stuff like that, you know. Well, yeah, no, I mean, again. True artists. True artists. I mean, again, the 90s saw uh, a reckoning, basically, in the music industry. And, you know, you had women like Kim Gordon and Annie DeFranco and... Uh, there, there's just there's tons of women that were behind the mic and behind the the, the mixing board yep. and behind the you know and, and behind then the and then put themselves you know behind the the record label owner's desk <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> so there were women who if they weren't getting what they felt that they needed they just started their own label and they did it successfully yes. And women were women came into their own in the nineties, and it it showed. I mean, it, it paved the way. You know what I mean, and for for future generations. And it was it was an honor. It was a, a straight up no joke honor to have witnessed all that firsthand. Sweet. So that is a fantastic, fantastic way to wrap this up, Sarah. It has been fantastic to talk with you. Thank you, dear. Now I've got to go away and edit this stuff. Take out all the uh, all all the sneezings that I did. The sneezing. The phone going off. Sorry. I'm just kidding. But no, it's been great to have you on. Um, open invitation as always. And you know where to find me. Yeah, of course I do. Just feed me first. You, you sleep in the same room as I do. Cheesecake always helps. Cheese. Oh, cheesecake sounds good. Cheesecake does so. sound good. It has been fantastic talking to you, and we will get you on later on in the series. But Absolutely. For, but for now, we have a sarcastic teen who has one or two things to say about photography. <laughs> Our sarcastic teen has something to say about everything. Yeah, that's why she. That's why we picked it. <laughs> Sarah, thank you. Thanks. Ugh, come on, stupid cable. Sink faster! Ugh. So, I know a lot of folks my age only take awesome, cool pictures using the dog gear filter or whatever on Snapchat and upload to Instagram. And while that's super awesome, imagine what it was like before this. 
you would have to go to some store, hand over a film, and wait at least an hour to get your pictures back. An hour! Well, there are ways to get your pictures instantly. You would have a Polaroid, which the quality looked like it was taken on my grand's potato or something. At least there were no selfies, though. Uh, yeah. How would anyone know what you had for supper? Or your coffee shop coffee if you had to wait for your pictures? Ugh. Okay, let's talk about real photography. I am waiting right now for like 200 pictures to download into my computer so I can edit them and make them look great. Well, greater. <laughs> and it's taking like a zillion days to load for me to do that. Like, hurry up! Back in the day, however, if you wanted to use your super cool photos to look super cool, you had to go to a dark room. You had to use chemicals, water, and light to make your pictures appear. I can feel the sweat on my brow just thinking about that. <laughs> if you wanted to share them, you had to copy them. Meaning, you had to make more than one. This is ridiculous! Okay, the point is, the act of taking photographs and distributing them is so much easier than it was in the past. Even though we have lost a dinosaur art of making prints, sadly there are more pictures of food and puppies than of meaningful stuff. Especially on social media. Hi girl! OMG! Hey! Selfie! Okay, now with bunny ears. Attention 90s music fans! If you are in the Destin, Florida area of the world on March 23rd and March 24th, come to Tailfin's Ale House for a night of 90s music and entertainment featuring the 2017 Arclatex Rock Band of the Year, The Holodecks. Showtime each night is at 9pm and a valid ID is required at the door. Entry for this great night of 90s entertainment is absolutely free. That's right. There is no charge at the door. For more information about the band and for dates in your area of the world, go to theholodex.com. That's theholow, H-O-L-L-O-W, dex.com. And check out the band on Facebook at Holodex. A massive, massive thank you to Sarah Connolly for spending her time uh, helping me with this. I know you can say, well, she's your wife. She should be doing this. No, no, no. She's got her own world of crazy going on. I mean, you know, she's mama. She's pretty much spending the whole time with six kids. She's educating them. She's looking after her grandmother, trying to run a business. I mean, she is so busy that the fact that she was able to find a couple of hours to do all this stuff is beyond me. I mean, she's just fantastic. And, and that's my lover. You know, she's, she's awesome. Behind every good man is a great woman. I disagree with that sentiment, but just Sarah is a great woman. So that's, you know, fantastic. So our social media question of the week was, what is the best album of a Tuesday Night Music Club, Jagged Little Pill, Live Through This, and Last Splash? And by a landslide, an absolute landslide, Live Through This won. We're talking like 98% of the votes. So uh, congratulations to Hall. You have won the unofficial Because Maybe podcast uh, greatest women's rock album of the 90s. 
I guess. I don't know. Sarah's choice. Uh, <laughs> but, um, no, guys, if you've never heard it, go listen to it. It's a fantastic album. If you are not a fan of Hall because of Courtney Love's personality, I promise you, I promise, promise, promise you, you will love this album. It's it's great. It's very, very introspective. And, you know, it's it's fantastic. It is absolutely fantastic. So, moving away from Women of Rock, and it's a sad move away because I've had a lot of fun doing this, uh, we're going to stay in the realm of music, so to speak, and we are going to be looking at Nick Hornby's High Fidelity. Now, if that title sounds familiar to you, it's because there was a movie called High Fidelity based on the book that was released in the 2000s, so I can't review it. But the book was released in 1994, and it's a fantastic, fantastic read. And one of the hallmarks of the book is, uh, one of the main themes of the book is uh, lists, basically. Top five, top five, top five. And one of the other main themes of the book is music. So you have top five and music, top five and music, top five and music. So I'm going to ask everybody right here, if you can take just a couple of minutes of your time and tell me, if you you were stuck on a desert island what four to eight albums would you take with you yes i know i'm cheesing on on desert island discs sue me uh don't sue me really i'm just you know i'm just doing it for a little bit of fun but um i will post mine next week and i actually have a blog uh coming up in the next couple of days telling you mine and i'll go through that at the beginning of next week's episode so guys hopefully we'll be back on time or back on schedule next week and in the meantime stay safe have fun don't do anything i wouldn't do and have a good time. See you guys. Selfie.